Think Squad, what do you love about your church? What are some things that you would change if you were an elder? Or maybe you are an elder, but you didn't start out that way. At some point, you decided you were going to attend that church, get involved, become a member. How did you make those decisions? Maybe you joined as a single man, but today you've got a wife and kids. As we talk about all the time on the ThinkPod, it's our responsibility as dads to lead our family in defending the Christian message. Of course, this means we need to lead our family in learning the Christian message and living out the Christian lifestyle. And that means being part of a healthy church and making meaningful contributions to it just as much as we receive teaching and encouragement and fellowship from it. Now, I don't advocate church hopping for superficial reasons. I'm a big believer in putting down roots in a church family. Rather than leave when things get tough, I like to see guys staying put and working to improve their church. However, sometimes a church abandons sound doctrine or you have to relocate or other factors happen and it becomes unavoidable. You need to find a new church. When that happens, You need to be prepared. The quest to find and join the right church is important enough when it's just you, but it becomes especially important when there are others who are relying on you, when your decision will directly and deeply impact them. Now, last year in 2020, my family went through this process when Elisa and I moved from Chicago to the Tri-Cities of Illinois and joined Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles. In today's episode, I'm talking with Tim Smith about how to find the right church. Tim is a longtime member at Redeemer. He's also a tradesman. You should really see the work that he's doing on his house right now. And he's a friend that I've been partnering with lately. He and I, along with some other guys, have been hosting these AWOL discussions with pipes, cigars, scotch, bourbon, and theological and philosophical conversation. By the way, if you're in the Tri-Cities area, we do that once a month, and we'd love to have you join us. But Tim is also an aspiring church planter. So he's really the right man to have this conversation with, as he himself is considering right now what makes a church a good one and the right fit for a man and his family. Tim and I talk about ecclesiology, you know, the theology of church all the time when we're hanging out. And I think that our conversation in this episode is going to help you not just find a solid church, if that's what you need right now or in the future, but also to work to make your current church even more solid, biblical, and thriving. So now, listen to this laid-back, informal conversation between Tim Smith and myself on the topic of how to find the right church. My name is Joel Setacase. I'm a Christian apologist, husband, and the father of four kiddos. In 2009, I left my job in the business world to teach high school Bible at Chicago Hope Academy. That decision would set me on a journey that would bring me first to seminary to study apologetics and earn my master's in philosophy of religion, then into local church ministry, where I became a youth pastor and eventually an interim lead pastor, and then to joining Crew and launching the Think Institute in 2019. Now, I'm on a mission to help fathers lead their families in defending the Christian message. I don't have all the answers, but I'm determined to go find them. And through this show, 
I'm reporting back to you, the Think Squad, what I discover. Welcome to the Think Podcast. Really quickly before we start, if you have an interest in the intersection of fatherhood and apologetics, as I do, as well as philosophy, theology, and many, many leather-bound books, I want to let you know about our online community, the Think Squad group on Facebook. There, you can join hundreds of other Christ followers also on the same journey. We trade apologetic stories and strategies, discuss philosophical and theological questions. It's like a huge late-night bull session in your favorite cigar lounge, and it's actually led to some real-life hangouts as well. So check it out, the Think Squad Facebook group. I'm co-hosting today with a friend of mine, Tim Smith. I could give you an introduction, but Tim, why don't you just let us know who are you, what do you do, what's your background, and uh, I don't know, where were you before you came over here? Yeah, so uh, I'm a, a dad, a husband, I've got two kids, both toddlers, two and four. Very cute. Uh, so spent a lot of time and energy there. I've pastored in a couple different churches, currently at Redeemer, where you're also going. That's how we've kind of connected. Yeah. And then uh, I guess you would call me an aspiring church planter, so we're in the process of working out the details and, and fleshing out a church plant. So, uh, yeah, exciting stuff there. And that's going to be in South Carolina? Uh, North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, Asheville is where we're Asheville. Headed, where we're aiming. All right, so you're, you're hoping to plant a church. Do you think about what... So people are, Lord willing, people are going to find your church. Yes, that would be awesome. How, I mean, right, that's kind of, yeah. how do you think people will find your church? Are you going to have a strong website? Are you going to be on social media? Because I see, I've been seeing these advertising blitzes in the area for local church plants, two in particular. Um, I won't say their names right now, but there's, you know, my Facebook feed is periodically lighting up with these ads for these local church plants. How are you planning to reach out to people, let, you know, let them know that you're there? Yeah, I think uh, we'll do all the typical website, uh, social media stuff, but I really hope that we have a strong presence in the community Okay. Um, and just that we're out being involved uh, in the daily lives of, of the people in the community. And so people are hearing about us from that. I hope that uh, we're building a healthy church so that as people come yeah. and stay and commit and become part of the church, that uh, they're, they're also going out and telling their friends and neighbors and coworkers. Um, so I really hope that it's, you know, uh, organic in in some of that way Uh, word of mouth presence in the community all that good stuff yeah um what do you what do you want your church to be known for like when you're thinking about because i was talking with a buddy of mine yesterday actually i mentioned this to you but he and his family were going to this other church and big church in the area. I won't say which one, but it's one that they, it's the church is based. It's, it's been going on hard times. The word implode, imploding mm-hmm. implosion might be a good term for it, but maybe not at the very least. There's been some major shakeups. Now we could go on a whole tangent about how it's probably very good for the church. What it's currently going through in the sense of like, um, you know, God often uses processes like that to really shake up the church draw out the bad, get rid of it, and purify the church. And thank God he does that. But it's left my friend and his family looking for a new church. So however the church is going to continue, it's not going to continue with them. 
for better or worse. And I, I think it's probably a good move for their family based on what he's told me. Okay, so all that being said, he asks me yesterday, he goes, so what, you know, I don't remember exactly what he asked me, Tim, but he's like, you know, what, what do I need to be looking for? Because I suggested to him, you should probably go and interview the pastor. Like, Oh, absolutely. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay, so, so imagine you're talking to my friend. What questions should he be asking? And then, you know, what do you want your church to be known for? So when the when the dad, the intrepid father and husband comes to you and goes, all right, Pastor Tim, you know, I'm thinking about joining your church, thinking about checking it out. Um, what do you want him to be? What should he ask you? And then how would you personally respond in as an aspiring church planner? Yeah. So, um, you know, as a, as a church planner, uh, you know, I, I want our church to be known for Jesus. Right. Like I want, I want the gospel to be the most important part. And then that's a pretty uh, Sunday school answer. Yeah. It's, 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 but it's, you know, a good answer is a good answer. Right. Yeah. yeah like that's, it's, it's, it's truth. It's it. truth. Right. Amen. So, Amen. um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's simple, but it's, it's also hard, um, to make that the, the main focus and to, to be consistent. Um, we want to be a biblical church. So we want to not be something that we've created out of our own ideas, hmm. our own preferences or our own, um, you know, comforts or what we like, but that we are looking at scripture and saying, what is a, what is a biblical church, uh, from scripture mm-hmm. and that we're, we're aligning ourselves to that and being, um, you know, held to the authority of scripture. Um, and Regulative so principle of worship. Yeah. Okay. I think so. So only what the Bible authorizes, not, no, uh, nothing, no, no extraneous stuff. Yeah. No, we're not going to be doing interpretive dance, but, uh, no. No, oh. probably not. David did dance before the Lord, though. That's good. Yeah. That's arguably very biblical. That's it's dancing. I'm not saying anything's wrong with dancing per se, okay. but in the church, you know, we're gonna have the the ordinances, baptism, yeah. and you know, communion, uh, reading scripture, mm-hmm. prayers, you know, things like that um, that are are commonly seen in scripture. Right. Um, and so we want to be biblical, and and we want to be um, a community. Uh, there's a lot that talks about unity in the Bible within the church. Uh, we see this kind of familiar, uh, like family kind of language, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ. And yeah. we're part of the family of God. Uh, we want to, you know, be under the headship of Christ in, in our leadership and in our, our submission to him, mm-hmm. um, walking in obedience. Uh, we want to be faithful. I want people to be able to see that this church is being faithful to the commands of Christ. Yeah. Um, and uh, we want to be relatable, not, in the sense that we just, you know, I mean, we're going to be countercultural, right? Like mm. if you're biblical, you're going to be countercultural. Um, but we want to be like we care about people, and so we don't want to be so heady that we forget to care about, care for people. Because Acts chapter two, right? We see that happening. They were even selling their stuff and taking care of the needs of one another. And, yeah. Um, so big on, um, you know, compassion, generosity, uh, things like that. So. Okay. So. For that dad who comes in and says, Pastor Tim, I'm thinking about joining your church. Checked you guys out on social media. Saw you online. I want to ask you the following questions. What questions are you hoping he's going to ask you? What questions do dads, husbands need to be asking? Anyone who's looking for a new church, what? how should they be grilling, if you will, the pastor? And what sort of responses are they hoping to find? What should they be looking for? Yeah, I think... Uh you know, as they're getting to know the pastor, and this may 
this may take more than one sit down uh, to, to gather all this information. It may take more than just like your first Sunday at a church. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's okay to take some time to oh, get to know the church. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I had a friend at our previous church. It was kind of uh, in a similar position as the church you're, you were describing earlier. Um, and we've had, we had some people go and um, they were legit issues. And one, one good friend who's still a good friend, uh, we still meet up regularly. Um, you know, he was, his family was trying out different churches and he's, he's the kind of guy that like, like he has a servant's heart. Mm. I mean, everybody in the church should have a servant's heart, but like he, he will sacrifice to, to be there to serve. You could ask him to do everything. This is a guy. So this is a guy that was in your congregation. It was in my congregation. When you were pastoring. When I was okay. pastoring at the All church. Right. And, uh, and so I wasn't the lead pastor of the church at the time. And so, um, that he left, um, and eventually did become the lead pastor. But, uh, so anyways, uh, as he was looking at other churches, I was like, hey, man, um, I know you're going to feel this, like, desire to, like, get involved and pour your heart into this church. And you're going to see needs and you're going to want to jump in and fill those needs. And I said, it's okay to take some time and just, like, get to know the church first. Hmm. Get to know who they are and what they believe and, you know, if this is a, a good fit for your family. Um, and, uh, and so that was just my encouragement to him. Now, you don't want to take that and spend too much time getting to know the church and not getting involved and, and getting involved is, is also can be one of the ways in which you do get to know the church. Yeah. Okay. So how does that work though? Because you want to make sure that the church you're going to is solid. I mean, before you go, I mean like, right. So there haven't been too many churches in the last decade that we've gone to where I wasn't on staff. In fact, from, well, I guess from like, okay. So like 2013 to pretty much 2018, 2019, I was working at churches and so like it was it was like a no-brainer I and mean, right. we go to the church hopefully the church you're working at is solid enough for right yeah but um in 2018 my role as an interim the interim lead pastor came to an end so we were looking around for new churches just to give the new guy who was a friend of mine i wanted to give him space and make sure he could thrive so I, and i didn't want it to be like what does pastor joel think about this you know like i don't want people to turn into me at the members meetings going like what is joel thinking about this and and um, I just, I wanted to make sure that he had plenty of space. So we started looking around at other churches and it was like this weird thing, man. It, it put me in on the opposite end of the table, you know, the opposite mm-hmm. side of the, the pastor's desk. And I'm, 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 I'm interviewing these different pastors and it was like, uh, it was, I was really grateful for the way that there wasn't a single pastor that I went through this process with that didn't appreciate it. So that was really cool. Yeah. They, they didn't seem perturbed by it, put off. It was like they appreciated, as I'm sure you can imagine. I mean, I would appreciate that if yeah, dad came to course. me, you know. Um, so that was really good. But there's this there's this line where it's like, okay, I think this is a good church. I want to start dipping my toe in the water, if you will. I want to start serving. But, you know, there are still some things that you find out. After you start serving. So when is it time, like, when does the interview process end and the ownership and the membership, the the belonging, when does that begin? Right. I would say most of that should have already taken place before you start serving. Because at a lot of churches, you're not going to be allowed to serve until you've gone through the membership process. And so you've gone through the membership oh. process. You've, you've gained a lot of even further insight into the church. And now you're, you're kind of making a commitment. And, and you're saying, this is my church home. Maybe it's already been my church home, but I've had to go through this process. We're committed. We're regular attenders. Mm-hmm. We want to be faithful to the church. And so 
hopefully a lot of that has already been fleshed out before you get to that point where you're serving. And so this would only be like kind of a, um, that makes sense. you know, a just in case clause, like you, you start serving and then you see something, you know, drastically wrong. And, and I like what Alistair Begg says, um, about the church. Uh, he says that, uh, uh, you know, the most ideal church for you to be at is the church that God's placed you in huh. the church you're at now. Um, and so unless, you know, there's a very serious reason, and, and I think a lot of people, and then this would be a good, you know, maybe place for our conversation to go is like, like, what is a legit reason to leave a church? Yeah. And so you'd have to, you'd have to have that already fleshed out so that you're not leaving because you don't like how this is run or, or how this is organized or some superficial or secondary issue. Um, I think that, you know, we have to... And, and churches don't don't get better in those areas by by good people leaving. Hmm. You know, if, if we just have an exodus of people who are upset at the way things are on secondary issues, um, that doesn't help the church. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, man, because I didn't know about that quote from Alistair Begg, but it actually re- very much resonates with advice that I've gotten in the past from both D.A. Carson, there's a nice name drop for you, mm-hmm. and because um, he was one of, my, one of my professors at Trinity. Oh, yeah. And became, nice. Yeah. I mean, he became something of a mentor to me. And Oh, and uh, side note, we he and I were, I knew him well enough, I'll put it that way, where he actually was a reference for me on a couple of my job applications. And it's like... Nice. Yeah, that went over very well yeah. in, in the, the pastoral interview. Like, so that... So, you know, D.A. Carson, that the real D.A. Carson, like that's D.A. Is that like, his, that's his phone number? That's I can call him. Can I can I email him right now? And uh, they're like, oh, okay, well, I guess you're hired. Yeah. But what one of the things that he told me, and this was also echoed by our pastor Joe Thorne. And this is going back years ago, before I was part of Redeemer, obviously. Is so what Dr. Carson told me is that you have a moral obligation. Now this is as a pastor, you have a moral obligation to serve where you are right now to the mo- to the utmost of your abilities. And the, I believe what he was trying to get across is don't always be looking over your shoulder for greener pastures, whether, yeah. you know, there are going to be churches with elder boards that get along better, church governance that you might find to be more biblical, theological nuances that maybe suit your preferences more or even your convictions more, but maybe on those secondary tertiary issues. Um, and then one of the things that Joe told me, and again, this is this is years ago, where I was at this crisis point in ministry, and what he said was, he goes, I'm not a prophet, you know, he's a good, I think Joe's a cessationist, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, he goes, I'm not a prophet, but I think if you serve faithfully for like six months, God will honor you in that, and God will provide the next right position. It turns out it was only like four months. It actually worked out pretty close to how he said it. Yeah. But if that's true for a pastor, and you and I, I know, have both been in situations that we would describe as not ideal as pastors. So you are, do, do you also see that as being, if a pastor has that obligation, does a member as well, a, a lay member, do they have an obligation to stay at their church if, if it's just secondary, tertiary issues? Yeah, I think it d- depends a lot on the circumstance specifically. You would have to know a lot of ins and outs of that specific situation to really be able to counsel someone. But yeah, I think in general, for speaking in general, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you definitely have a responsibility to that congregation. Um, I mean, just in the, the fact that we're called to, to be unified. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is your are your actions unifying or are they, you know, 
divisive. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, obviously, like, it's more clear when you're talking about the essentials, right? Like, if, if the church is saying, you know, something that's unbiblical or, or teaching bad doctrine. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, like, I think, I think the responsibility might be, you know, to first, like, raise the red flag. In, instead of bailing on your church, maybe you should say, you know, in a members meeting or, or meeting with the, the elders, um, like, hey, this is something that I've, I've heard either being preached or taught. Um, this is this is why I think this is wrong from Scripture and how it's damaging to the church. Um, so instead of first bailing, making that your first like, OK, something's something's unbiblical or or there's there's a bad doctrine or, or something like that. Like we want to guard and protect the church. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind that the church is the bride of Christ. Like Christ loves his church and he loves the churches that get a little ugly. He yeah. still loves them. And yeah, so amen. we should hold the church in high regard in that way, at least. Um, but then you might you might find that, you know, OK, I've had that conversation or like, I don't think anybody should leave a church without first meeting with the elders. Even if they're certain that like this conversation is not going to go well, or they're not going to listen to Agreed. me, I totally agree. Like you, totally you have agree. to meet with your elders. Yes, don't just slide out the back door. Right. Yeah, that does no good for for you or for them or for the church. Dude, so many people are cringing right now because a lot of guys are who are listening to this right now. At least some of them have to be in situations where they are realizing like they need to leave their mm-hmm. church, and the easiest thing to do is just slip out the back door. Stop coming, maybe start coming more infrequently, start checking out other churches on those off Sundays, and then just fade away. And we're talking members and non-members will do this. Yeah. And that's the easiest way to go. Yeah. It's the the most painless. And and at that point, you've also, I mean, you've almost made up your mind if you're you're that frustrated that you're Mm -hmm. already thinking about leaving. Um, And it is the easiest thing for you to do. Um, and, And you may have already had a preconceived notion that like we are leaving like your heart's gone from yeah. this church and i think it's it's good um submission to christ and the holy spirit and um to just say you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna take a breath i'm gonna take a step back mm-hmm. before i put this in emotion and i'm gonna i'm gonna even let god maybe examine my heart mm-hmm. and uh maybe maybe that meeting with the elders something is brought up in in on um, you know like because when you slide out the back door you are making an assumption that like you're hundred percent right and, and you know everything yeah. and you've got it all figured out and you could be wrong. Yeah. And so you have to have an allowance for like, I could be wrong. And if, if like there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors yeah. and if maybe yeah, talking to other people in the congregation and especially, you know, even the elders, um, that may flesh out something that's, that's wrong in my heart and in my actions that I need to deal with first. Yeah. And that's a much more humble way of going about it. But it really does fly in the face of this, the the cultural <sighs> expectation norm where it's like, okay, I mean, I've got my gym membership. When the gym stops serving my needs, I go to a new gym. We actually, mm-hmm. I just took my kids out of, uh, they were members with me at the UFC gym and I took them out because with Lucas's health issues, I didn't want him rolling around on the mats anymore. Um, just because there's a lot of germs on those mats, you know? Um, and then we, we brought, we put Jacob into a karate dojo, old school, old school karate dojo, because we want him to have the discipline, the mentorship, the camaraderie, things that you can get at a karate dojo. You can't really get at the UFC gym, which treats the martial arts more like classes than, than more than, you know, mentorship. 
Um, why do I mention that? Because for us, it was as simple as we go in, we cancel our membership. Easy peasy. Although even right. that, you have no obligation to to continue going. Correct. The you know the the manager can try to read it, reason with us. Hey, what if we did this? What if we did that? Yeah, thanks, but that's just not it's not what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Because now even that did require a conversation, which is interesting. I couldn't just back out the back door. I'm still because then I'm still paying. Yeah. You know, most gyms they do make you go in and have that face to face confrontation. I didn't know that. That's yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, which can be very frustrating, actually, because yeah. it's like, no, because I know they're going to try to sell me on an additional membership, so I don't want to do that. But they make you do that so that they can try to address any concerns you have. How much more should we be doing that with in the local church? Right. You know, because a church is not a country club. It's not a gym. It's not whatever social club you might want to have. It's not a neighborhood organization. It's compared to a body. You know, it's uh, it's we're family. You know, you don't just up and leave your family. Right. Yeah. We despise you, when that happens. Right. You can't do that. That's uh, that's no good. And, and the fact that you're at that church already means that you have, at one point in time, made a made a commitment to be there. You've yeah. submitted yourself under the authority that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by doing so, essentially, you're submitting yourself to Christ. Yeah. And so, like, that's, that's not a bond that I think is easily broken. Um, yeah. and, and definitely you want to do it in the right way so that you can walk away with a clear conscience. If that is the end game, uh, is that, if that does, you know, become the result, one of the things that's like pained me the most in ministry, and maybe, maybe you would feel the same way is when people don't tell you what they're thinking or what's going on in their heart, or if they're upset, like we can handle that. Like we, by God's grace, like we can handle that. And we want to know because um, you know, we want to be good and godly ministers of the gospel. Yeah. And so like, we want to know like what, like what's going on and it, it's not helpful to us. Like, like we're not going to be perfect all the time and it's not helpful to us or to the church if people get mad and leave without having a conversation with you. Right. And, and the point too, I think that's very, um, well, very relevant for us is as Pastors, if all we ever hear is good feedback, like the attaboys and the, the backslaps, that's not really helpful. I mean, you could really gain a very lopsided view of your ministry. Like, I want to know, if people have problems with things that I'm saying, it's because of one or two reasons. Either, well, three, I guess. Either I'm wrong, in which case I need to fix it. They're wrong, in which case God's word needs to fix their faulty ideas. Mm-hmm. And, um, and obviously if I'm wrong, I want God's word to fix me too. I wasn't setting up a false, you know, or three, maybe there's just a misunderstanding. Joel, I heard you say this. Are you trying to say, you know, that? No, no. I'm glad you asked. Let me explain. And dude, like, I want to know if I'm not communicating something well, or, or I also want to know if there are people in the congregation who, let's say I, I did get it right. And people are like, "Oh, I took issue with that. I, I didn't like how you, fra- I didn't like how you talked about, um, you know, that controversial social issue." Well, dude, I want to know that there are people in the congregation who hold those views. That's going to affect how I preach and how I teach. It's going to affect, you know, what topics we talk about, how I, how we um, apply different passages. And we're all on a spiritual journey, and sanctification is a process. So now you're helping me understand the congregation better by by raising that. Um, and even if you know, look. Even if someone just has stupid feedback like what I got on in my email, you know, uh, you're dumb because you're dumb or whatever it was. I mean, that's 
that can be good for my soul too. I mean, I have a good laugh about it. I realize, all right, Lord, sure. you know, change this person's heart. And, you yeah. know, uh, if I am dumb because I'm dumb, then Lord, you know, change that about me. Like, that's fine. Well, yeah. I mean, even the, even the guy that I was telling you about who wrote me the email said I was a terrible preacher and should stop the copy and paste guy. Yeah. The copy and paste guy. Like even that, I guarantee you, I mean like that, that next Sunday, like, like I, I try to preach better. I, Mm -hmm. I I was, you know, I was, uh, motivated to, to preach a better sermon. I'll show you, you know, like like just, (laughs) just to, you know, just because it it brings it up. Even if, if his, what he was saying wasn't true or God can still use that to make you a better preacher. And I think there's a, a misconception about the church that like a healthy church is a perfect church with no, drama no no uh, flaws right. no sin issues and i think a healthy church is is a church that even though it might have some drama even though people have sin issues mm-hmm. even though it might be struggling in some areas like they deal with those things in a healthy way yeah in a dude. biblical way it's like marriage in that regard oh sure how many people go into marriage with this faulty idea that she's going to complete me not only is she going to solve all my sin problems that i had before we got married you know but She's not going to have any of her own, you know? Right, yeah. And so we're going to get along great. But she doesn't even poop, right? She doesn't even poop. Girl, I don't think girls poop. No, girls don't poop. No. So we're, yeah. I mean, that's still, that's still, yeah. I'm just going to believe that I have. Got yeah. married. So uh, <laughs> this is why we pre record. Uh, but you know what? We'll probably leave that in. So in a healthy marriage, obviously there's going to be sin, but you, you deal with it in a healthy way. Right. Same thing goes with the church. So, all right, dude, here, I got I got a list of, of different elements. I want to see if we can rank these by order of importance. Okay. All right, so preaching, kids ministry, evangelism, music, men's ministry, prayer, community service. For the guy out there who's right now looking for a new church let's rank this for him in order of importance what's what's top on the list preaching i circled a few you can see on my list here. i circled a few that i think are probably the the, the hottest like most popular ones preaching kids ministry i mean kids ministry that's pretty yeah, well, I, well i think it's important but a lot of churches they do integrated family worship sure and, but they would say that's part of our kids ministry they would oh. say this is how we're teaching and training, raising oh, up the kids. Interesting. By, you know, what they say it, that, you think? Doing that. I think that would be their mindset. Like, okay. I would hope that's their mindset, but they're at least being somewhat intentional yeah, about, yeah, yeah. like, the children in the church and not just being like, hey, we'll catch you when you're 15 right. or something or 22. Um, so how do you rank these? Yeah, I think I, I resound with, with those. Like, um, you have two, the kids ministry and evangelism. Mm-hmm. And I would I would even group those together and call that discipleship. Right, like making disciples. Um, Interesting. And so, preaching the gospel, and you know, raising up mature believers. Uh, preaching, of course, you know that that would be at the top of the list. You think that's number one? Yeah, I think it's. If it's not number one, it's 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 tie with something else to be number one. Okay, so what do you do if you go to a church where the theology is good, but the main preacher is not gifted? Let's just say he's not a strong teacher. The theology is fine all good, no heresy, no weird theological, you know, little pets that they have. Solid, but just, you know, the guy's, whatever. He's just a weak preacher. I've yeah, been, well, been a part of churches like that. I would say weak in what ways? Like, is he is he just not funny or is he, like, 
you know, I've, I've been told, you know, in, in my pastoral development from, from other pastors and preachers that mm-hmm. like, like if you're boring, like that's your fault. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, and I take, a, you know, I'm, I'm careful how I draw this line, but like if you preach for too long and, you know, or yeah. you, or you give too much in one sermon to where, you know, like you're, you're just like opening a fire hose on your people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Know, sure. It's just like, it's, sure. it might be all great stuff, but they can't process it all in the, you know. Right. And so, um, if it's, if it's just the guy speaks monotone the whole time, like, and like, these are things that through encouragement and through help, like that preacher can get better true in his preaching. Yes. So I would rather be an encouragement and say, hmm. Hey, like, I know it's very common at Redeemer, like after a sermon, um, whoever's preaching, but often like, like Joe's the main mm-hmm. preacher, um, you know, like, like one of the elders will go up and say, Hey, you know, and they, you know, they have two services. So maybe it's between the first and second service. Yeah. Somebody will go up and say, Hey, like you made this point, maybe clarify this, or this right. was like a little bit of a rabbit trail. And like Joe takes that and he applies that and grows from that. And, uh, and that might be why they record the, the second service. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but, uh, so, like, is it something that the guy can can grow in? Is it something that's like, you know, causing a major hindrance or distraction from, you know, the, you know, correct doctrine being taught? Hmm. Um, I'd say if it's not, then you got to give that guy a break, and uh, maybe maybe you need to. I mean, like, how many theology books do we read that are dry? And yeah, it's, tons. You know, yeah. It's it's but it's good for our soul. Like, it's still yeah helpful. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's some, you know, we need to be gracious, um, in that because not everybody's, you know, going to be, not every church is blessed with, you know, a, you know, a wordsmith or, or, or someone who is just has that, you know, flamboyant, you know, charismatic person, personality to where like listening to them is always fun. Uh, It's not the purpose of why I go to church. That, that Totally. What do you do with a guy? What about this? Let's say there's a guy who's a very effective communicator, but who doesn't ever really go deep. Because I've been in that situation as well, where I've been going, I've been at a church, and the preacher is good. He's he's a very effective, and he's maybe like even even kind of uh, applicable, um, but maybe more on the seeker oriented seeker friendly yeah. side so it's kind of like hey, here's how here's how to have a good marriage and here's how to have good kids and and that sort of thing but in terms of getting deep into the matters of theology you never really get past milk and there's a lot of filler okay but then you've got this robust small group ministry and the kids ministry is really great and they're focused on evangelism discipleship all that stuff can the church afford to have a weak preacher in there like, do you stay at a church like that uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, like, like if, and it depends on how, how bad it is, but uh, I mean, if, if the, one of the things that like the apostle Paul in Acts says, uh, he's says this to other elders that he's kind of gathered as he's moving on to another area. And, uh, <clears throat> he says like, I've been faithful to preach the full counsel of God's word to mm-hmm. you. And, uh, I think that's an important point. Like, is he preaching the full counsel of God's word and, and doing it? well enough to where people are able to understand, um, hmm. you know, if he's, if he's a dynamic preacher or speaker, but he's, he's not preaching good doctrine, that's a problem. Um, like I would like, just to name drop, right? Like I would, I would say Joel Osteen is a 
great speaker, but terrible preacher. Sure. Sure. Um, I would not want anybody, and I don't care how like dynamic all the other programs of the church are, uh-huh. um, because that is, you know, a very important part of feeding the souls, and 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 actually giving watch over the souls of your your congregation, um, is the the preaching of the word. Um, I agree. So I, yeah, yeah I you can't stay at that church. I don't think. I I, I mean I I agree with you. I think that the the for better or worse. A church is only going to be as strong as it's teaching. When you look at the requirements of elders, you look at, first of all, how they're personal. Yeah. Yes. Well, there's all this other stuff that has to buttress who they are. Their kids have to be faithful, husband of one wife, so they're monogamous, they're good dads, well-respected by outsiders, free of scandal, not given to much wine, they're not drunkards, their lives aren't characterized by addiction, and... They have to be apt to teach. And you almost get the sense that their personal character is there. All of that is important. But if any of that goes askew, that's going to throw off their credibility as a teacher. And it's through their teaching that they guide the congregation. You know, how does the Lord Jesus lead the congregation? He does it, you might say, I mean, through the Holy Spirit that's in each of us, for sure. I'm definitely not negating that. But he, he... you know, the, the preaching in the Sunday service is like the wind in the sails of the church. It's going to direct the the way that the church goes. And the pastor exercises oversight and has authority insofar as he's communicating God's, he's mediating God's authority to a certain degree. You know, how, how does God speak authoritatively to us today through his word? Mm-hmm. What is the primary means of delivering the word to the people of God? It's the Sunday right. sermon. Right? Yeah. We all need to be in the Word for sure, right. studying the Bible together. That's how we know if the pastor's preaching something that's not true because we're in the Word ourselves. Right. So we're not just blindly following. We're testing. We're approving by God's Word. But he's up there preaching. And I think that as we're talking, I think that is the most important thing. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, if if his preaching is off, mm-hmm. then the teaching is off. Yeah. And it, it's not just going to be in the pulpit. It's going to be in every aspect of the church where there's teaching. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's, true. It's it's going to trickle down into everything because it's it's essentially coming from you know him and the rest of the elders. And and I actually, this is something that I do that's a little weird, and I do think it's biblical. I hope I make I consider what goes on on Sunday morning to be teaching. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, but it, I, I I would I would rather call that teaching than preaching. The reason why is because teaching through preaching. <sighs> Sure, and I know the modern distinction between those two terms. I mean, Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. You know, um, even uh, Lloyd Jones. He, uh, you know, the good doctor, uh, the doctor. He wrote that book, Preachers and Preaching. I think is that right? Have you ever read it? I haven't read it. No. Oh, dude, good book. Phenomenal, phenomenal. But so for many years we've called what goes on on a Sunday morning preaching. But if you look in Scripture, preaching, another word for preaching is Caruso or proclamation. That is typically what goes on outside the church. We call that, you know, that's more like uh, what the street preacher does. Proclaiming, heralding the the coming of the Messiah. You know, it's Paul on the Areopagus. Right. It's Peter before the... Um, Proclaiming the excellencies of God. Yes, exactly. And it, by the way, it, it could be what you do with your podiatrist or your chiropractor as you're, you know, advocating on behalf of the gospel. You're communicating the gospel. It doesn't have to be standing up on a stump somewhere. It can be, you know, you can announce the gospel in a 
in a conversational way, I think. We just call that evangelism. But what goes on on Sunday, that's the, that's the, the servant in the house who's feeding the other servants. Where's that? In Matthew or somewhere where, where Jesus says, you know, who's that faithful servant that the master of the house will put over the other servants to give them their food at the proper time? You know, you're, you're, you're feeding the flock and you're doing that through teaching. So that's why it says in 1 Timothy 3, if I got that right, that the elder must be apt to teach. It doesn't say apt mm-hmm. to preach. And I think that's important right. because in 2 Corinthians 10.10, 10, Paul, he faces his own criticism because, you know, he got plenty of criticism. And he says, for it is said, his letters are weighty and powerful, but his physical presence is weak and his public speaking amounts to nothing. Paul did not use the fancy rhetoric of his day. He wasn't like one of these sophists who go around and, and use like excellent rhetorical flourishes and things like that. He spoke what in a way that was considered weak. But no one could ever accuse Paul of being a bad teacher. Even if he was right. a quote-unquote weak preacher, so to speak, the message was solid. You know, he was, I mean, he put Eutychus to sleep, you know? Yeah, like, right, like, yeah. So he wasn't He wasn't a Joel Osteen. He wasn't a uh, uh, whatever, pick your, you know, T.D. Jakes or whoever, you know, really powerful preacher. He wasn't a, a Stephen Furtick in, in the way that he just got everybody amped up. But he also wasn't a Stephen Furtick in the way that he was. He played fast and loose with biblical doctrine. It was very right. solid. Yeah. So there's got to be something there for modern day preachers. It's like even if you're not the best rhetorician, that's okay. Yeah. Deliver the solid food. Let the Holy Spirit apply it to the hearts. And in some regards, it may be better. You know why? I, it, well, um, like <clears throat> I went to a church for a while where the 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 main pastor, um, like they would touch on the Bible. Here's our scripture for today. We're going to look at it. And then the rest of it was just kind of like, um, you know, felt very self-help. It was very entertaining. Lots of stories oh, and yeah. stuff like that. But the teaching wasn't there. Yeah. And so uh, you walk away having heard a nice message, uh-huh. but it, it wasn't really a sermon. Um, it wasn't really teaching from the Word of God. And uh, at least it wasn't, you know, rooted in that. And I think, you know, that's why Paul says, like, I didn't, I didn't come you know, uh, using all this rhetoric, hmm. lest I, you know, rob the gospel of its power. Yeah. And, uh, Oh yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And you see that, right? you see that guys, you, you can go that route when it becomes about the communicating for its own sake, when it comes, when it becomes about keeping the attention of the congregation as opposed to feeding the sheep, you know, there's just, it's a different way of looking at things. I'm right. trying to hold your attention versus I'm trying to give you what God has for you. Right. I, I, yeah. You know. Well, and because then, I mean, like, there are times where you're going to preach something from the Word of God and it's going to be a hard sermon because mm-hmm. it's going to be convicting. It's people gonna might be walk confronting. Out. Right. Yeah. People aren't going to like it. They're not going to feel comfortable. And, uh, but that's good for their soul to, to wrestle with that totally. and to think about that and to be conformed not to the world, mm-hmm. but to the image of Christ. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So preaching is number one. Um, music? I would say music qualified by that it's it's theologically rich. Um, it's, it's you know, the right kind of worshipful, um, but not music in the sense that, like, you know, we've got a bunch of recording artists. And if you're blessed with that in your church, uh-huh. like, thank God for that. If you have a lot of musicians who played music very well, Praise God for that. Be thankful for that. That's a gift from God. Um, but 
<clears throat> I think music is one of the things that people use for a reason to leave the church or not like a church. Hmm. Um, that often is is kind of lame. In Why my opinion. is that? That is such a hugely prominent reason that people get dissatisfied. Why is that such a big deal to people? I think it's. I mean, I I would have to talk to more people sure. about that, but I would I would guess that a lot of times it's it's us putting our preference hmm. first. Like I was a worship leader for for a time, uh-huh. worship pastor even, and uh, <clears throat> like I would play songs for the congregation, and and we never played anything that wasn't, um, you know, we never sang anything that wasn't, you know, theologically accurate, true to the gospel, and and you know, biblically correct, um, and, and enriching, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but there were songs that we would play that like weren't my favorite songs sure and then there were songs that we played that i like loved and would have fun playing and that was musically interesting and and that's that's like a thing with musicians right like we want to play the the music that is got a little complexity to it or or something's interesting about it but there's some songs that are just pretty much straightforward and you know the same three chords Mm -hmm. and you know as far as the melody goes or the composition structure the the song really isn't that interesting Uh but the words are awesome and it's also very singable for the congregation, that's a very important thing that that your worship music is singable. Uh, some, some, yeah, because it's not a performance, right? And some songs are too all over the place and too technical to be congregational worship. Right? Uh, they might be great to listen to in your car, but they're they're not going to be great for corporate worship. And so you have to have that in mind. But I intentionally didn't just do the songs that were all my preference, because by doing that, I'm I'm you know, forcing my preferences upon the church mm-hmm. rather than considering the, considering the whole church as a body. And so we would sing all the good songs and some of them were very simple and some of them were, you know, more complex yeah. and, and just have that variety. Um, but yeah, it is, it is interesting that that's, that's one of the main things that people, and I don't think it should be the main thing. If you yeah, go to a church and it's like the worship, like you can find serious theological faults with the songs that we're singing. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that makes sense. Um, what do you place is more important, the music ministry, the worship music, or the kids ministry? Uh, I mean they're they're probably close together. I would say, um, like in the you know qualifiers that that we've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Music being, you know, theologically rich, right, and uh, you know that it that it is encouraging the church to worship God. Um, but again, like like I said, I would lump the the kids ministry in with discipleship, and that's that's paramount for the church. So you put kids ministry in with small group, men's ministry, women's ministry, all that. Yeah, small. I would just call that discipleship. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, you know, I uh, I like. Redeemer's focus of table, pulpit, square. I haven't heard that language all that much in the last year, but I think that it's still undergirding. It seems to be undergirding the activity of the church. Yeah. You know, the table, um, community groups, pulpit, obviously Sunday morning preaching, square. And they, worship. They would, worship would be in there yeah. as well. Sunday school would be in there probably, right? Because, or no? Uh, yeah, probably. I don't know if I've ever heard them explain it like that. but To me, I, uh, I view that as part I, of the teaching yeah, ministry. I mean, it's I it's happening Sunday morning. Yeah. Well, especially because the kids at our church, they start out in the sanctuary until communion. And then Mm -hmm. that's usually where my kids beg me to be able to take communion. And I tell them no, because they're not baptized. They're little, they're still vipers and diapers. (laughs) Vipers and diapers. Is the (laughs) official Baptist term for them. Um, Actually, we're talking about my kids getting baptized soon. 
That's cool. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pumped about that. Yeah, that's exciting. But uh, but then but then they leave the the worship service proper and they go to their Sunday school classes, and I've kind of viewed that as an extension of what they've been doing. They're worshiping God. They're receiving teaching. And you and I both serve in the kids ministry. Mm-hmm. There's teaching. Yeah. They're not just we're not just daycare workers. I'm, I'm with the toddlers, and and there's teaching for the toddlers. Dude, I love it. Jojo yeah. comes out with her little sheet. You know, my little three year old. She comes out and she's mm-hmm. got her sheet and it's got a picture on there and it's got bullet points of what they talked about and there's the main idea. Jesus is the boss. Yeah. I love that. That's that's funny you mentioned that because that same thing. So that same Sunday, we weren't actually on that Sunday. My wife and I, Sarah. Uh, but Ezra, our four-year-old, came out and he he told Sarah like, "Jesus is the boss." Like, <laughs> like he remembered what he was taught in that class, Dude, and he's talking about it later. That's it, man. You know, that reminds me of, you know, Lucas has had a a long medical history here. He's in the hospital right now, and I remember about two years ago he was in the hospital, and one of the great things about Lurie Children's is they really do care about the kids and they try to make them comfortable and provide activities sometimes yeah, that's tough for a little kid to be in the hospital very tough sometimes they're a little too accommodating in the sense of like you can do whatever you want kid watch all the tv you want so one one time the nurses were asking lucas lucky what do you want to do do you want to do music or do you want to make a project with some art you know like a craft you're the boss they told him that you're the boss lucky and he goes no i'm not the boss and they're like what he's like God is the boss. That's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, in your face, nurses. I mean, it was great. I understood what they were doing. I totally 100% got it. But I love that his reflex reaction was, I'm not the boss. I I don't even, there's no chance. I'm not the boss. God's the boss. So that stuff does stick with kids, man. Yeah. It's good. So kids ministry, part of the teaching. Um, What's like one more thing? dad should be looking for you know the dad who's looking for the new church we got preaching slash teaching we've got the kids ministry music as long as it's solid don't be such a stickler on your particular musical preferences what else you know community service event um, outward facing evangelism prayer meetings a lot of churches have like you know wednesday night prayer meetings or wednesday morning prayer meetings then there's the different family ministries men's women's um I love a good men's ministry. Love that. But what do you think? Like, what's what's maybe one more thing? So, that, so we got the essentials. Let's say there's two churches that are identical in all the essentials. The, theology's sound. Kids' ministry is good. Music is, you know, song. They're, te- they're, they're teaching through their music. Um, what's one more thing? What's going to be the the tiebreaker for two churches that have everything else? Um, <clears throat> well, I don't know if we talked. I mean, we we kind of hit on like theology, right? Like what what they believe is important. Yes, yeah, um, that, that's true. And I would say like like there needs to be a deep dive. And I know it's boring, possibly, uh, to go on a church's website and read all their statement oh. of faith. To do that because it's important. Uh, you want to there there could be nuances between from one church to another that that and then there's a lot of things that are not going to be plainly stated on the website so that's where like we were talking about before meeting with the pastor and and having questions and if you you know if you need questions to ask find somebody who can help you to put together some questions um specifically to ask uh you know the pastor but go into a deep dive into the theology what they believe and how they're governed what's the what's the leadership structure is it plurality of elders or is it one one guy running the show is it run by deacons? You want to make sure that the leadership is biblical. Because if the leadership isn't biblical, 
And I don't believe the church isn't going to be built. Right. Like you're you're going to have a, a problem, you know, down the road. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, like what's commonly practiced, those things that we were talking about, um, you know, making disciples or, you know, the ordinances of baptism, communion. Are we doing that faithfully? You know, fellowship, unity, um, charity is one that we maybe didn't mention. Benevolence, things like that. Yeah. Like, and even like, Close uh, kitchen, how does the church interact kitchen. with it, within itself with, with needs of the church? Mm. Um, and then how does the church interact with like hospitality to its mate, na- to our neighbors? Yeah. Uh, are we encouraged to do that? Is it never really thought of or brought up? Right. Um, and you know, charity within the community. So I put that under the, when I think about evangelism, that's what I think of. I think of, I totally see what you're saying in terms of we're evangelizing our kids. Mm. We're making disciples within in-house discipleship, mm. but there is that, What's the opposite of in-house? Outhouse? No, outhouse. Uh, outward facing? The field? The field. Yeah, I agree, 100%. So, like, like you have an incomplete discipleship model if it's it's only focused inward mm-hmm. and you're never thinking, you know, about the community around you, about the, the other people in your lives, about non-believers. Yes, and part of that is missions. Are we mm-hmm. sending out missionaries? Part of that is, I think, training the congregation, the members, to evangelize in their everyday lives, whether it's with coworkers, whether they've got a position on the local school board, whether they're coaching their daughter's gymnastics team, are we equipping the people to do the work of ministry as they go out into their field? All those right. different little areas in, in uh, church movements, are, you know, the Think Institute's parent organization, we talk about your oikos, your household. The, we think of it in terms of a little bit broader, like the people that you have influence in in your life. So that could be your dry cleaners, that could be your kids' coaches, that could be your your child's teacher if they go to school outside the home. Whoever God has given you a platform with, a relationship with, are we equipping our people to be able to invest the gospel into those relationships? Yeah, it's like the dude, uh, It's I think it's somewhere in Luke, uh, but there's that dude who Jesus cast the demon out of into the, into the pigs. Yeah. And then this dude wants to go with Jesus. Uh-huh. He's like, I want to go with you. Like, yeah. how excited. He begged, like, he begged, he begged him. him. Yeah. And Jesus tells him, no, go back to your home and tell people what you've you know, seen. And the cool thing is he says, tell what the Lord has done for you. And then if you read the next line, it says, and he went and told what Jesus had done for him. Yeah. And there's He's a obedient. nice. Yeah. yeah. And there's and he also understood Jesus is Lord. There's that mm-hmm. subtle thing. I, I, I don't know if it's, I think it might be in Mark's gospel. It's this subtle little word choice yeah jesus says tell what the lord has done and the former demoniac told what jesus had done and it's like oh he understood jesus is lord yeah he there that was that was not just a deliverance moment that was a teaching moment it was actually evangelism right that was going on there the reason i can do this is because i'm lord yes so that's cool and dude as i'm thinking about this i'm really impressed with this idea that churches need to be teaching and equipping their people. And I might even say that this is like the next thing that I would look for. And I'd probably put this above music. I I'm, I might even put this above kids ministry. And the reason why is we very well may have people who are listening who do, who their churches don't have a kids ministry per se, but they might do the family right. integrated service. Fine. But in a church like that, you better be equipping fathers, especially to lead their families. Um, equipping moms to do what, Paul tells Titus, you know, where the older women are teaching the younger women to be productive, 
to work from home, to love their husbands and their kids and, you know, be that Proverbs 31 woman. And then, you know, for the, the dads to be that First Timothy 3 kind of man, the church needs to be equipping families in that. And that's theological, that, that's um, orthodoxy, that's orthopraxy. And I like to see a church with a really good, strong, robust education ministry. Yeah, I think equipping is one of the primary roles of the church and probably one of the primary responsibilities of the elders of the church uh, to ensure that that is, is happening. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and for maybe some someone out there who's like, well, you know, I've never been equipped or I've never, you know, like, like I'm a dad or I'm a husband. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, uh, a dad, most likely you're also a husband. And, you know, like, how do I cultivate my family? How do I cultivate my wife? How do I cultivate my children uh, in a godly way? You know, like, maybe I feel like I haven't really been cultivated. And I would say as right. a starting point, like, you know, I would encourage dads to, you know, and husbands to, to teach what you know. And then often, you know, you will learn something that you didn't as you study, uh, as you prepare to teach. And um, really the... The excuse or the the feeling sometimes that that we might have where we say, like, oh, I, you know, I can't, I can't teach, you know, like maybe I can't teach. I don't feel like I should be in the in the kids ministry if there mm-hmm. is one teaching, or maybe like I don't feel equipped to teach at my home. Um, like we're all called to to teach. Yeah. If you're a if you're a believer in Christ, the Great Commission has gone out to go make disciples, and mm-hmm. if you're making disciples, you're teaching, and so yeah, uh, at the very least, teach what you know yeah and then be faithful in pursuing knowledge pursuing you know an understanding of the word of god you know delight in it devote mm-hmm. yourself to it you know be faithful in the church and you know find fellowship with with other other dads or other you know believers that's intentionally focused on theology yeah and there could be a men's ministry that you get that through yeah. it could be something like what we do where we have a wall everybody gets together we smoke cigars yep. we hang out and drink scotch but some some guys might want to hit the golf course. You know, I got a buddy who does that, and not my cup of tea. Yeah, in fact, I hate it. I'm, I'm terrible Bob, at it. <laughs> I, I, we'll go to the driving range some once in a while, but yeah. Well, last time fun. I was at the driving range, we were right on the edge, and there was like the private area, and the dude who worked there was just hitting balls, and he started coaching me. Oh, so, like I learned some of the fundamentals. That's cool. You know, at first it was kind of uncomfortable because I was like, I just want to like awkwardly hit these balls. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But then I was like, I actually appreciated his help because I was like getting better hmm. so dude that's that'll preach there's there's a there's something in that there's there's a lesson in that you yeah know? you know and you it's know? funny because my first instinct instinct was to be like oh come on leave me alone like i don't want to be talking you know i was felt feeling prideful like sure. like i know i'm terrible at golf but i yeah. it actually turned out to be very helpful and he was super nice and uh well that just shows you the importance of equipping if that's true for how to swing your golf club how much more true is that for how to lead your family and family worship right train up your children in the way they should go uh, serve your community in Jesus' name, invest the gospel in, into your relationships. Right, because we're, we're responsible ultimately for these things. That is it, man. And that's something that every Christian man listening to this needs to understand. We are responsible. It's our responsibility. You, you're not going to get to the point where you become the leader of your family. You are the leader right. of your family. Now, the question is how well are you leading? Or are you abdicating? Have you let your wife take on responsibilities that she shouldn't because not to say that women aren't capable. We both have very capable wives, Yes, but we don't, we shouldn't be putting burdens on them that we're meant to carry. Right. 
we shouldn't let our a lot of families, and this is a temptation we all face. You let your kids call the shots. Uh, you know, like like when Lucas was told in the hospital, "You're the boss, buddy. You're the boss." That's easy to do too. I'll let the kids set the agenda, whatever they want. Right. Well, that's not right either. And and in those instances, we are still leading. We're just leading very poorly. You know, we're still setting the tone. Right. Even through yeah. our inaction. Exactly. Our inaction is is essentially creating that model of yeah life. Yeah. But if we're if we're doing the work, and dude, how much do churches thrive to when fathers? I've shared statistics on social media about how if when fathers regularly attend church, their kids are so much more likely to grow up and become regular attendees at church. The outsized impact of the dad compared to the mom is it's ridiculous, man. It's insane. And that's not to say that that moms aren't important by any means. It's just to say that the statistics bear out the fact that when it comes to spiritual leadership and direction of the family, just like the pastor and his preaching is the wind in the sails of the church, the father in the home and how he spiritually leads, that is the wind in the sails of the spiritual you know, direction of the family. Yeah. There's just no avoiding it. It's, it's, it's God-designed structure, right? Yes. Like it's... Yeah. it's it's intentional in its pur- purpose and it's intentional in its, yeah. you know, the creation of it. Yes. So I, I want to say, number one thing you can do, start thinking critically about where you go to church. Start thinking about, you know, if you're in a bad church, start thinking about your exit strategy. That doesn't mean you go out the back door. All the things we've talked about. Right. Do See it in if a biblical can, way. Yes. Do it in a biblical way. See if there's a way for you to improve things. Okay. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. You don't want to pull a... Joe Biden and just extract and leave horrible carnage and damage behind. Right. Okay. Not to make light Including of that to your own soul and possibly your family. Exactly right. Exactly right. And, and in saying that, I'm not making light of anything that's going on right now as we speak. We're in this middle of this major foreign policy crisis. Just absolutely tragic. Um, but the fact is, when you withdraw without doing your due diligence, yeah, it leaves a wake of destruction behind. Mm-hmm. But if you're in that situation where you need to withdraw... Start working on an, on an exit strategy. Start thinking critically and biblically about where you're going to go next. And be intentional about improving your own theological walk and understanding and practice and resilience. And begin investing that in your kids and in your wife. Right. Open up the book of Proverbs, man. Read, read. You want to talk about wisdom, seeking wisdom? You know, uh, go to the book of James. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without finding yeah. fault. So God has promised not to leave us alone in this process. Um, but we do have a job to do. It's not going to happen automatically. We need to start walking in that. Right. Agreed? Yeah. <clears throat> totally agree. And and you have to be, you know, looping your family in, having family discussions, mm-hmm. explaining to your kids. Because uh, we don't want any of our actions. If we, if we do actions that are, like, legit, but we don't explain that to our kids, like, why we're doing what we're doing. Right. Like, they're going to fill in the blanks on their own somehow. And maybe that leads them to do something wrong in the future. And so explain it to your kids. And I would say, you know, like, That's you good. know, like talking about wisdom literature, like there's, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, like don't fly solo on it. Right. Uh, you good. need to have other godly people uh, who are privy to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be afraid to share that with your, you know, if you have a community group, don't be afraid to share that with, you know, the, the pastors who are already currently your pastors. Yeah. That's their job um, is to help you with that. Yeah. And yeah. if you are, looking at another church or, or meeting with another pastor, like explain to him the situation mm-hmm. um, so that, that maybe he has wisdom or insight, right? Like I would want to know why somebody's coming to my church. I mean, if somebody's right. going to meet with me and say, hey, 
you know, we're, we're leaving this church. We're coming to your church. I mean, one of the first questions I'm going to ask is like, well, why are you leaving? Uh, I want to suss out, like, are you leaving for a biblical reason? Is it, is it good? Is it healthy? Dude, like, are you a healthy person or yeah. are you going to come and, you know, like, I don't totally. want you to corrupt our body. Right, and, right. You know, and right. so like, you know, like, I, I love you, but, you know, we, we want to do it in a healthy way. And so. Mm-hmm. And I like how you said suss out, by the way. Quick side note. I used that term suss out the other day with Elisa. She looked at me like I was a crazy person. I'm like, that is a yeah. real phrase. It's a legit word. Suss, suss it out. Suss this out. Yeah. It's fun to say too. All right. So. This is good, man. Let's let's wrap it up here. Um, I'm, uh, you know, what I'm excited about is I'm excited for this podcast episode to become the most popular podcast episode put out by two people from Redeemer Fellowship. Oh yeah, I think it could happen. It's possible. I think yeah. it could happen. I mean, is there even any competition? I don't think so. No. Not that I know of. All right, man. Uh, this was good. Okay, that about wraps it up for this episode. The Think Podcast is a production of the Think Institute and is produced by yours truly, Joel Sedecase. The Think Institute operates under Church Movements, a ministry of Crew under the division of Crew City. To learn about how to support the Think Institute and my family tax-free, go to thethink.institute/partner. I hope you heard something helpful today. I know I did. Remember, this is not goodbye. This has just been a short stop on the journey as we learn to lead our families in defending the Christian message. And we'll see you next time. Until then, I hope it made you think.